Welcome to the Next Step Business Podcast. I'm Bob Camp, your host. For each podcast, I'm inviting successful business leaders to discuss strategy, execution, high-performing teams, innovation, and more. Join us to learn more about getting the business you want and living life on your terms. Welcome to Next Up Business Podcast. I've known Doug Matt for a while and what he's doing, and I think it's something that we need to learn about and apply. Doug, before we get into your business, tell me a little bit about you. Thank you guys for having me. So, as, as uh, Bob has stated, I'm Doug Mapp, and I am a dad and husband first. I have two kids, uh, a son and a daughter. Uh, big gap in age, but it's been it's going to be fun. The, the ride will be fun. And my whole family, except for me, are Tennesseans, specifically East Tennesseans. I'm a transplant from Florida, but I, I like being here in East Tennessee now. I appreciate it. You have quite a bit going on, but it all evolves around the same thing. So just fill, me, fill yeah, us in. Yeah, so... Yeah, thanks for asking that. My business my business is really people and trying to get the best out of people for each one of us cuz if without each other, there is no community, there is no growth, there is no fun. And so, my business is I'm in the business of people and but specifically when it comes to their brains. And so, I have two organizations, one's called Learning RX uh, and one's called Think Up and they're both geared to engage a person's brain to perform at higher levels. So that's what they're about. Tell me more about that. We all want to perform at higher levels. What is it that you're finding out that we need to work on? Yeah, so that's a great question. What do we need to work on? So let's start with this. Let's, let, I like to go back and get to the root of what we're really trying to establish. And what I'm looking at is I look at the words, a lot of people say, oh, my kid's smart or that person's smart. But I don't know if we really have looked up or defined what smart is. And smart in my mind, as I've defined it, is the ability to adjust, right, with novel, which is new information and then produce great solutions and great results. And so if a person is going to really be smart, if we're going to have a smart, uh, community or present smart solutions, then that means that we really need to understand how it is that we process the sequence of being smart. So so then that means we got to add, get to another word, which means learning. In order to be smart, you really got to be able to learn. And then what's learning? So learning, when you really dig into that, it's going to be based on your brain's ability to do one super cool thing that they're trying to figure out now with quantum computing, but we can get into that enough. But that is the ability to look at a sequence of patterns and predict what's going to happen next accurately, you know, accurately and more often. Let's let's start with the workplace. How does that work out? Everybody's looking for high-performing people, whether I'm a machinist and I need to handle complexities of my job, as well as I may be working in a corporate office. So how does that play out in for businesses and the people in those businesses? How it plays out, I see, is in your ability to really add to the strategy that is going to, that the business wants to accomplish with their goals. And on a day-to-day basis, a business has an overall, like, here's our strategy for the year or for the next five years. And then tactically, you as an individual employer or employee have to figure out, okay, what am I going to do to win the day? And all of those things are going to be decision-based. If you are on the ground floor, say if you work in a manufacturing facility and you're supposed to be looking at a particular go get this item number 
and then go bring it back so somebody else can add to that and then you can build something. You look up at a screen, the item number says 00AC, and then you drive off with the forklift. And then you're like, what was that number? Was it 00AC4 or was it 00CA4? So those are big deals to remember from that ground level. But even at the top, when you start thinking about, okay, strategically, whatever decision you may make right now, or from a tactical standpoint, whatever decision you're making right now may not be uh, life-shattering to anything, to anybody or for any one thing. But maybe a week from now, two weeks from now, the the decision that you made today or yesterday will make have that lasting effect, right? And it could have a big ripple effect depending on what it is you decided to do. And all that's going to be based off of your brain's ability to see the sequence of patterns and accurately predict what happens next. And so I think there's a responsibility to understand how do we make our brain's ability to and then put down the right answer or create that right solution? How do we make that better? And Science has been giving us a solution for the last probably 30, 15 years, but I don't think we've actually caught on to that. We've been looking at content, but the content doesn't necessarily help our brains predict better more often. So that's how I think that it will help us at work or how it applies at work, I should say. Not help, but applies to work when it comes to understanding how your brain works and the industry calls it cognitive development processing. That's an interesting piece, like you said, predictive, but it, it is that element of, of saying, if I take this action, this is what's most likely to happen Right. when I think about it. Because sometimes we take an action hoping, but that ability, that cognitive thinking that allows us to really better predict, if I take this route, it will take less time. If I remember this, then it will be right when I bring it back. So I, I think about that. And so when you're working with an organization, what are the different ways that you actually work? How do you how do you deliver some of those, or how might you deliver some of those? Yeah, so there are two ways that, in general, that people want things. They want them normally quick, <laughs> and then they normally want them easy. And the, and so we try to figure out ways to help companies get what they want, which is better production and and more shorties from their talent, their people, right, by delivering them, putting them, matching them with cognitive development services that will, that will help them level up their people, right? So some people need different type of work than other people. So every company is different. So there's an evaluation process of understanding what their company is about and then understanding what opportunities exist with their, with the people that hold their talent, right? I want to also frame something maybe a little bit here, and this may be something that I think that the industry may disagree on, and we could probably have a bigger conversation about this, but we've been calling people talent, I think, a little bit too long, or, or maybe calling them talent in a way that dehumanizes them. So we have these talent management strategies, we have these talent, talent acquisition departments, and does the company actually acquired the their, the person's talent or do they use the talents that the person brings to the table and so when you frame things as the talent you don't really think about the talent getting better or getting worse based on the time that we are living in so some talent that somebody had may not be useful at a particular time so do you th- throw the person out with the time because of the time that caught up to them right no we say okay let's how do we improve your talents to so that they can modify 
or so that it can see the new sequence of patterns so that your talents can be predicting well in this new arena, right? And so companies, as I see it, when they engage us, what they're actually asking us to do is figure out a way to get this person's talents to level up so that they can be more valuable or, and when you, more value allows them to then attract more customers or be better or prepare better solutions for their customers. And that's what we're doing at the, at the end of the day is preparing them or putting them with cognitive development professionals that then get them to where they need to be. That's how we do it. That's awesome. And uh, I'm glad you make that distinction. I think that is one of the things, and this is, could be a whole different conversation we could have sometime, is people and individuals, not even thinking about them as you know a group. It's, it's an individual. It's really about are we doing the right thing for the people because we do that right things are going to happen for them, for us, and everybody wins. In full transparency with everybody, I've actually been to you know one of your, your businesses and uh, did some brain training. And I found that very enlightening, both from the assessment uh, that was given and, and what kind of drives me to work the way I work and to think the way I think and what could be better. And, and that was one of the interesting pieces was then developing the training was really quite specific to the pieces that could improve for me. And you made the distinction. It's different between education or learning road exercises. It really is training the brain. And it's making synapses connect that weren't connecting before, if that's appropriate or not. Yeah. No, that's 100% appropriate. So the brain is super fascinating. I, and I don't think, well, I know we don't appreciate our brains <laughs> and thus our brains don't seem to appreciate us either. That's why there's a lot of things that you'd like to do that you don't do. And, but here's the thing. So brain training is the art of understanding that your brain could be better than it currently is if we engaged it in opportunities and activities that it's not used to doing. And so to give everybody a decent view, there is a thing called the theory of intelligence. It's been around for quite some time now. And in the theory of intelligence, it tells us that these skills are actually, they're called cognitive skills, that there's like 16 broad abilities. And each one of those have like, it's like a lever to how you're going to operate in life and lever to performance. And the more you can dial in on a particular lever, you can, you can then perform higher in that arena. Right now, there's pros and cons to kind of dialing in. Some people are like geniuses when it comes to their physical cognitive abilities. That's why you got sports stars become athletes. And some of those guys understand that, hey, if my body can be a genius, what about my mind? And some of those guys become like super geniuses. You look at the Kobe Bryants and people like that who have the member mentality and they're great athletes. So and they didn't do it by going to college. If you studied his life, you could see that. But either way. Kobe Bryant particularly. But if you understand, okay, there's a dynamic of moving a lever and making somebody better in certain areas, then you can also figure out how you apply that to work performance. And that's what kind of we have done. And so brain training says, okay, let's put this analogy out there. I could always sit on the sideline and watch somebody, a sprinter run, and it looks easy. Okay, they're running. I can get out there and run. But if you get out there and run, you notice that you don't run it quite as fast. And if you really paid attention to the video of yourself running compared to a sprinter, you'll notice that your knees actually don't come up as high as theirs. So why is that? 
Well, you don't stretch as much. You don't drink as much water as they do. You know, all types of factors are involved. So when you're brain training, it says, okay, you think you're good at attention. So we say, okay, here's some attentive things to do. Now, you don't, most people don't know that generally, so on the base, at the base, there's three different types of attention that we're looking at. We're looking at sustained, selective, and divided attention. And I know there's a debate on like if you can really multitask, but that's not what that's about. It's really about what your brain's doing when it sees a particular thing and you're thinking about a, another and then executing a different thing. So you could be doing three different things at the same time without you having to consciously be aware of that. And we know that our brains can do that. Why? Because I'm talking and I'm breathing and my heart's beating and I didn't have to think about any of those other two things. So it's okay. So if, the, if those things are happening, then I also can look at how I can improve your ability to pay attention. I can improve your ability to remember more, right? And I can improve your ability to comprehend and then that means i can improve your ability to create which is beautiful and so when we that's at the individual level when we move that out to the group level then we can say we can look at how people operate kind of how the brain is these really cool things about called their memory cells neurons that are called uh, that are memory cells they're called engrams and one of the things that they've we've learned is that in order for you to remember to do something the memory cells talk to each other and just imagine a group of people coming together to talk about a particular subject. Then they go off and they go do their own thing. And then if they want to remember what they were talking about, those same group of people have to come back and talk about what was going on in order for you to remember that thing, to have that full, robust conversation again, right? Now imagine if two people don't show up to the conversation. Eh, you can kind of remember what's going on, but you may not get the full gist. And if enough people don't show up, then it won't, fire at all. It's almost like when you walk into a room and you go, wait a second, why am I in here? Those those members or those cells that I'm making people represent them, not all the people showed up back to say why we were here. And so now they're not talking. So now they're like, oh, I don't remember what the full conversation was. So-and-so didn't show up. Bob didn't show up. Doug didn't show up. Right. So now we don't know what we were supposed to be talking about because they were leading the conversation. So that's like you standing into a room or like a company stand, being in a position where they were over there, so-and-so and so-and-so left, and they're in this market now, but they don't know why they're here anymore, so they're not going to be the industry leader there. They're just going to be a player, but they don't really know why. And even if you get new people in there that may try to help them, they, it's, it becomes kind of rigid. And so same thing with the memory with your brain. Your brain operates kind of like people in that same way, and then also represents how companies work too. And I hope I made that clear when it comes to like how how our brains work for us as an individual, us for us as in a group, and us for us and as for us in a company, it all kind of correlates. And when you start to strengthen an individual and then you start strengthening the team, that all starts to permeate through the company. And when we know, so when I work, when we work with persons on the individual standpoint and say, okay, we fix this person, not fix, I shouldn't say that. When we're exercising and helping this person at that working, okay. So in, when we work to exercise somebody in a, when it comes to working memory, we want to improve that, the ability to think and calculate with what is given to them right now, not necessarily to remember everything about it, but just to get them to solve that solution right now. We can, if we can make that better, we know that when we do that from an organizational standpoint, then a company knows, okay, I know how to work agile enough and fast enough to be in a position and then get out of that position and do the thing that they're meant to do. And that's how they start to lead, in my mind, that's how they lead their industry, by being, by being thoughtful enough, cognitively strong enough to do what's necessary 
and then to do what's needed next. When I did the training, a couple of things I recognized that were different. I recognized that I was able to sit down and and stay focused for longer periods of time, which was huge for me because I have ADD. I've always had it, and it's, hey, I'm, I'm ready for the next thing. But we found some of the reasons why that was happening. Second was my wife recognized that I was more calm. When I think about this in a business setting or in a job setting, it's like when your boss comes to you and says, I need you to do this, this, and this. If you can't remember the second thing, and it's part of a sequence, then it doesn't work. And you might be guessing what that was, and you try what you think it is. But the other, So there, there was that part about the memory being better. But the other part was recognize that when your boss came to you and said, I need you to do this, was to recognize there was some information that you needed to have to help you better know how to get it done. And if I got that, then we could have a better thing. And, and what happens in that, and, and you've talked about this, and it's obvious with me when you're know, talking with people today, when you have that, the conversation is better and the relationship is better. Yeah, so, as you, you know, a lot of communication is nonverbal, which is which I've heard that for years and people say it for years and it's a, and we know it's a real thing. And the other part to that that's really interesting is the same thing that is what your brain does. Your brain notices a lot more about other people than you may realize. And it also is responsible for you disliking somebody without really having a good reason why. And most of the time what I think happens is that the brain comes in, it notices somebody's better than them at a particular thing, a particular skill, unbeknownst to you the person, and then automatically that person rubs you the wrong way. So now there's a now there's a reason for uh, discontent between the two. And so when you can strengthen the skills that are that brain noticed are weaker in it, to, so it's a, which protects itself, right? That's why you dislike it's a protection a protection thing. But when it notices when you can strengthen the skills that are the weaker skills, then that person's like, oh no, that's okay. We and that person's on the same level, or I may be a little bit higher. Most often when we're trying to fix communication issues the way maybe uh, your wife has done, is, is trying to get the person who has got higher skills to be able to adjust to people who have lower skills, which is, I know it sounds like I'm maybe being a little bit of a, a it sounds like an elitist type talk, language type of talk, but it's really not that. It's really, yeah, it's not that at all. It's really okay, which makes sense. It's almost like asking an older child to be patient with a younger child. And that's what skills do. Skills place us in a development standpoint when you look at that. If you're more developed, you could say you're, you could be older. If you're less developed, you could say you're younger. So when we're looking at brain skills, we don't really care about the age. It's really about how do we make this thing weaker? I mean, sorry, stronger, right? We look at the weak skills and how do we make those things stronger? And then when you make them stronger, people start to, which is people, it's really the brain, starts to respond in ways that allow the people to interact with each other in a much more positive light and standpoint. And so it becomes a, an easier, let's get this job done. And it makes life just much more fun. It changes the dynamic of, of, you know, how they see what they're doing. And I would say this for people who believe in finding purpose in life, they figure that out much, much, much faster because now there's no blame. It's all, it looks at a lot of like, where are my opportunities? Right. And when you can help a person get to the point where they're looking for the opportunities, whatever, from whatever position they stand in, right, or the position that they have, and I'm talking about even as an employee, if you go, okay, this is my job, I'm pretty clear on what I'm supposed to do, so now where are the opportunities for us to do this better in my role? And then you also then speak up and say, hey, 
I have an opportunity to do this better, which then will affect this other job because now I have a broader view of what I'm supposed to. It can start helping and tr- has a trickle down effect for more people to do better as well with and with the organization as a whole. It's that element where you can actually walk into a situation or have a conversation with someone that is not charged one way or the other. The best comes out. Now it's funny because now they want people who have high IQ to have... With a calmer mind and with your brain working at its capa- you know, at its higher capacity, you're going to do better. Yeah, you will. I think that when you talk about that new experiences, I want to say this, it's really interesting, and then, and then the way memory works. So... When your brain goes to work on something new, it, it first checks to say, is this something I've seen before, right? And then when it doesn't, then it has to go to a high level of thought. And that's the high level of thought. Sometimes this is where your processing speed comes into play, but back up a little bit. So the lower level of thought, as we understand it, are the skills that are involved in that are your processing speed, your working memory, and your attention. Those are the first three, right? That's your lower level of thought. Then if you... if once those things are engaged, you know if you need to do more work or your brain knows if it needs to do more work. If it has to do more work, we go to a higher level of functioning thoughts, which are going to rely on auditory processing, visual processing, logic and reasoning, long-term memory, just to name the basic core. And then once those things are engaged, then you can then your brain sorts out, okay, did we hear what we or whatever we heard, we're going to probably saw, we're going to process it. Does that match up with something in long-term memory? Do I need to put it there? Do I need to... Uh, reason through this and all those things no matter how strong they are are going to be stored for your use later so if it's so if your production on what you took in right when the boss told you the four things and you may have forgot the second thing as your brain saw it that was fine you didn't really recognize that you didn't catch all four you just okay yeah i got it and you walk off to go do it even if you write down notes it's the most interesting thing even if a person writes down notes there are sometimes things lost because they saw so focused on the notes, they didn't really focus on like the that the unspoken. What's the urgency? What does this mean to the grand scheme? What better idea did you already have previously? Some of those things are lost, and so when your brain is heavily engaged because it's cycling through those other skills because of the maybe the weaker than they make we would like them to be you don't necessarily get a chance to really put that best foot forward. And if you can't put your best foot forward with the with how you're going to accomplish things, then sometimes that can sometimes set you up for issues with other people and then deliver, delivering a second-tier type of delivery even rather than a top-tier. And you may not even know it's a second-tier thing yet until maybe way later. But that's what it sets, sets you up to to do. And, and it's my hope that when people work with people like me in the cognitive development realm that they can put their self themselves and put their companies in a position to deliver the best product or service right you want the person that knows that if you're working in a law firm you want to know that your lawyer knows about enough of other cases that yours is not the unique case where it's going to go wrong Right. And even if it's a new case, they know how to argue it in a way that makes it look like, oh, we normally solve it this way. That's the key for them. If you work in engineering, you want to know that, okay, I'm thinking of things that nobody else has thought of. And if you're thinking of things that nobody else has thought of, how do you make sure that it's always truly novel and still sustainable? 
Because that's what these days are about. So you got to look at all these different factors. And so your brain is solving these things before you sit down to write it out. And that's the thing that we got to make sure that we're on top of. I think that our world seems to deliver or seems to, from a pop culture or social media standpoint, seems to deliver a message that we're very innovative. But a year ago, about so... A year ago, Launch Tennessee had a forum where they had the CEO of Oak Ridge National Laboratories on. They also had the CEO of TVA on, and they brought on president or the main chancellor of UT on. And they said something that was quite interesting to me at the time. And it was that out of the 3,000-plus counties in the United States, only 66 of them are considered innovative counties. So imagine you have 3,000 plus counties, only 66 of them produce enough people and talent that we can say, oh, okay, we come up with new stuff. We're developing new stuff. So most likely you're in a place that or in a job that all you're doing is doing something that somebody else already did. And you're, you're just re-saying it in a way that's probably not even that great. You know, as a country goes, how do you lead if you only have a handful of people leading the country? You're not really, you may not be leading like you think. And, and, I, and there's a lot of studies that suggest our cognitive function as a, is down. Actually, the last major study that was done says we're the, the, the generation that's alive right now and working, us, you know, millennials and maybe the Gen Xers and millennials and the, whatever they call the one after us, after the millennials. I'm a millennial, by the way. What we're doing is we're actually on a lower cognitive level than the previous generation. And so we're, if we're stepping down from a cognitive standpoint, then there needs to be a responsibility to make moves to go back up or to go up. And some people ask why, and I'm going to just say this, why are we stepping down cognitively? And I'm going to say the same thing would happen when we left the farms for the desk job, right? We had to create gyms so that we could work out. Now, a lot of us started stepping into the oldies to try to get that physical exercise done, if you remember Richard Simmons in those days. But those days, but when you really look at it seriously, you're like, okay, that was nice, but we know if you want to be super fit, you got to use CrossFit, right? You got to get involved in CrossFit. That's the way that you really want to set your body up if you can do it that way. And so you, you see the transition through time that if you want to take care of your body, since we don't have the work in the farms anymore, we got to do something. You can't just sit at the desk and expect it to happen. And same thing when it comes to our brain. We've given ourselves enough technology that we don't have to think about certain things. And then just like they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. And we've lost a lot of our ability to kind of think ourselves to the next solution. So you may have a handful of people thinking ourselves to a solution and then you follow the notion that somebody else suggested because without even having to think that all through all the way through yourself. And so the cognitive development services, the field that I'm in and the work that I do helps people give themselves the opportunity to be just as innovative as that those people in the 66 counties. Right. And in this county, in our state, you think, well, maybe we're in one. They don't really think we're in one. If you want to if you want to go back and watch that forum. But we need to make sure that we can level up our talent. And it's not about giving them, well, part of it is about giving them content, but the content's only part of the solution. How their brain, what their brain's going to do with the content is important. You know, imagine giving a baby a toy. At first, it just looks at it and it doesn't know what to do with it, right? And that's why, you know, we have to be able to figure out, okay, this toy is for this use. We're going to do it this way. And then we're going to, it's going to be profitable to our fun. So babies, I have a newborn. So I think about the baby 
taking the toy, putting it down, and then crying about it. And being like, no, you just pick it back up. Play with it. That's what it's for, you know. So cognitive development can help us set ourselves up for that. Okay, I know how to use this toy. I know what I'm trying to do with it. I know what it's supposed to accomplish. And I can also use it for this other thing, too. And it would be a great thing for other people as they see it. As I was thinking about this, you talked about going from the farms to business. As a farmer, and as a farmer, if I had children, we had to be, we had to take care of what was on the farm. We had to fix things. We had to determine, wow, we had too much rain this year. What are we going to do? Or we're not, we didn't have enough rain. What are, what are the options? How do we make it through? But also, how do we fix the equipment? You know, protect the seed, keep the, keep the rats out of the, out of the, out of the corn. But we are always thinking and getting creative. And that's how a lot of inventions happen is people were just doing it. It's how the Wright brothers that's how they outproduced Langdon, that the government spent all this money on to say, hey, build a flying contraption. And the people, the local people thought the Wright brothers were idiots, but they were the ones who came up with it. But what's happened in corporate America, you know, and in business in general, is we've gone to this culture of, here's our goals, here's how you're going to go get it done. And not enough about building the culture of how do to your point, how do we build thinking with and develop those talents with people, those abilities with people, so that they come up with new ways. Uh, a gentleman I worked with many years ago, he was considered a process guru, and I remember sitting in front of a client with him, and the client says, "So he, uh, Hito, what's the what's the value of process?" And he goes, well, "The value of process is pretty simple." is to keep those who don't know how to do from making big mistakes. Mm. He said, well, what's the downside? And he goes, what's the downside of process? He said, the downside of process is it keeps those who could do it better from doing it better. Yeah. And I think culture is another element of how do we increase innovation? A big part of that is we've got to figure out how to uh, develop a culture and the individuals to step in and see things differently or look for things differently or think about things differently so that we can do things differently. Yeah, I think about companies and the processes and the more or people establishing more processes so that things get done more efficiently and all that's great. And I'm all for a lot of that efficiency. But here's the thing. When you I think about bowling, I think about you go to the bowling alley and then you immediately get there and all these guys you go there with are talking about how great at bowling they are and all these things and they got their own bowling ball the bowling shoes they got the shirt and then they go to sit up at the lane and then the first thing they do before they get their ball out of the bag is they pull up the bumpers you're like wait i thought this guy's good at bump at bowling why is he pulling up the bumpers so he goes down he throws the ball down and he goes usually the ball bump from side to side going down the aisle and it hits pins right before before it goes through and knocks down some pins he goes woo you see all these pins knocking down like you should have knocked some down you got all the bumpers up but what even happens though if you can turn that same guy into okay even though we have those bumpers there we're still gonna make you a good bowler so that if something happens and you have to play in another arena that doesn't that doesn't allow you to put up bumpers you can still throw strikes and knock down pins and so i think that that's to me is what we want to do because in, you know how business is, not in every situation can you do the thing that, that you think will happen. That's what the process is, almost things that we think this is how this show will always work. Mm-hmm. What happens when that doesn't happen? You just, well, I guess that's an opportunity missed and we just walk away. I don't think that you, we can afford 
to do that with the things that we need to do and accomplish next. That's just in business. I think the, the also I want to say this, the social impact that happens when you invest in somebody's ability to think is huge. We see oppositional behavioral issues drop tremendously among people who have who think better than those who do not go through cognitive development pro- uh, practices and services. And that's always interesting to me. And I, I just think about sometimes the social unrest that seems to happen. But at the same time, you see the social re- unrest seem to decline. But then you also see cognitive decline, function decline, dropping or happening, I should say. And if cognitive decline is happening while social unrest is increasing, then it, a lot of that makes sense to me. We're not thinking to figure out how do we fix our problems. For me, as I look at it, as a black male as well, I want to say that if you understood that you change laws and when laws are changed, then you can get better effect, then that's what you fight for. Let's change laws in a particular way, more so than just have an uproar. And even if the uproar is warranted. So you have to know how to play the play the game, but playing the games, all the things that we do in business and in life are going to be based off of your overall strategy. But your strategy is not going to be is only as strong as the tactics that are behind them. Mm-hmm. Right. Every general has commanders and lieutenants that have to think tactically to achieve the general's strategic goal. And once we understand that, oh, my day needs to start off tactically. And then you set up your work, your work day, your brains behind. OK, we're going to solve this problem. We're going to get the work done that we got to do. And then here's the new stuff we want to make sure happens so that our company is in a position to win. That's what the brain, once the brain can do that and click down that on its own, that work environment becomes a fun, fun space. So that's what I was thinking about when you you were just talking through all of that. To me, when we build better cultures, we develop people in companies. And that's a critical piece, I think, to to be successful. When we do that, people get along with their boss better. They get along better with their peers better. They get along better in their families, right? They get along better in their communities. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They go home and, and everything works out even better there too. It's a, it's a very yeah. trickle-down effect of what happens when your thinking improves. But thinking doesn't just improve because you think that it should improve. It improves when you work for it to improve. Yes, but once the improvements start happening, now they don't. It's, it's not immediate, but once, they, once, once it gets to a certain point, you go, oh, wow, this is really recognizable. Yeah, you can see what you were missing. It's a very quiet. You're like, how did I, how was I dealing with life like that? Oh, you're right. Uh, one thing about brain training uh, that I think is, at least what we do, we start off with an assessment. You got to know where, what the brain is, your brain, a particular person's brain is capable of, and then what it's not capable of. And once you figure that out, you say, okay, well, if you're capable of these things, I don't need to work on the things that you can work on, that you can do already. I need to work on the things that you need more work in. And so we work in those areas to help people get better in the weaknesses and then that, and that level up. And so there's opportunity for pretty much everybody, but I want to say this. So the, the, then we get engage in these metacognitive games, which is just that's a big word for brain games that are geared to affect those particular cognitive skills that are the weaker of the, all the skills. And in doing so, the games aren't predictable and there, your brain has these weaknesses for a reason. You're not going to necessarily notice when you get things wrong. And that's the interesting thing about it, like in, in those particular spaces. So if we're trying to improve your attention, you don't really notice when you didn't pay attention. You just, you just did. 
And so when we want to improve that or when we want to improve your ability to hear a particular sound, not word, then you necess- then it may be necessary for us to use sounds that you're not used to hearing to then get you used to listening. You know, if you want to improve listening, don't listen to somebody talk. That's, I'm going to tell you that now. Listening to books, if you're not, and I would say this is really interesting. The majority of the country has issues in auditory processing, but we also listen to a lot of books, which means we're missing most of the content that the person who's speaking and, you know, are trying to get across to us, which is very interesting by one and on its own. But so if we need to improve those areas and that the auditory processing is a, important to improve, by the way, if it makes you a better listener to everybody around you, but not just that, it changes the way that your intentions move, right? Your intentionality shifts when you can actually listen and not just listen from the, I guess, I know there's people who try to teach people how to listen better. I'm not talking about listening better. I'm about, I'm thinking, I'm more talking about how your brain actually can sit through an actual conversation and take it all in without going to some other place, the wandering mind, right? Uh, And even if you do wander a little bit, your ability to like pull it back in. Or if you do wander, it's wandering only in the space and what the person is talking about right now. So they're really, what they're doing is they're painting a picture for you with their voice. And then your brain's going like, oh, I could, I'm dealing with this in this really nice way. When a brain has an auditory processing kind of issue, it stops listening and stops being creative with what the person is talking and saying. And so it's, it's important to prove those things. And then people who have those strong skills, those are some, those are the ones that people like to retain and try to figure out how to keep. But you can improve that in most people. And so companies like mine, they, they can help people get those things accomplished if, if that's the problem or if that's an, an issue for them, I should say, rather than problem. Because most people can, some people may ask, well, why would if, if I'll maybe ask your next question, <laughs> why maybe would I need to engage a service like yours if I'm working and performing at a high level already? And I would say, what's a high level for you? Did you determine that or did your brain determine that, right? Did you put the limit there or where'd that limit come from? And so how much, how, so to me, it's maybe not about the high level buzz, maybe about your overall impact. Do you think you could impact more people? If that question is yes, but you don't really know how to do it, then cognitive development services may be the way for you to to make that bigger, better impact. Most likely for me, I think that's going to be the number one thing when it comes to thinking in general, but our services have helped a lot of people over a, a long amount of time and it's going to continue to, and this industry is going to continue to grow. It's just going to be who's going to be the company, who's going to be the people to step up and lead from the top, which is going to be interesting to say, right? Lead from the top, brain top. There's that element of how do we open up and have more capability? The other piece, and, and you and I have talked about this before, is that your behaviors improve because if you or someone you're working with isn't getting the what needs to be done or it's a different idea and you aren't able to uh, grasp it at that moment then frustration sets in when frustration sets in and the conversation goes further it might turn into uh, resentment or anger but when your brain is working and again you can to your point you can hear better you can you can process it better you recognize that I don't have this information and you can ask the question, do you have this information to help me understand this? That whole conversation is really different because now it becomes a productive conversation versus a 
you make up a word, a resentive conversation. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and you're resisting in those situations. You're resisting a feeling that's now starting to overcome you because your brain just isn't operating at its at a higher level. Yeah. I was having an interesting thing, looking at it that way. I, I was at a, or having a conversation with a, an executive and we were talking about some of the leaders that he has. And I found it interesting because I got to speak to one of the other leaders. And it was weird that to see that somebody in a leadership role looks could see the gaps but not think, well, if that gap exists there, then I may need to leave in that gap. All because he wasn't told, hey, you need to go do that. He couldn't figure out a way from his brain, couldn't see how, okay, if I can see that gap, I need to figure out a way to t- t- tap these other leaders to figure out how do we address this gap and maybe I need to take the lead there. And that type of thinking or lack of thinking, you could look at that that way, or cognitive flexibility is what we call it, right? That will hold a company back from growing to where it needs to go. Because most companies, as they're growing, especially the smaller, mid-sized companies, as they're growing, you're not going to grow by just the high, by in, just in the hiring process, you really grow when the people that are there on the bottom are strong enough to build that base. And then they build the base. They're building really from the top down to help build it up. But it's based on the thinking that they have to make that happen. So if they can't see, okay, there's a space that I need to, then that's going to, that you may not even realize, like the top CEO, that, that, like that I spoke to, he didn't know, and I didn't share with him that, hey, your leaders don't want to lead in the gaps. He can rec- he can feel it, but he can't. But he doesn't know which ones and how, why, what's the dynamics. It's just that from a from a cognitive standpoint, we can see that hey, they're not going to lead in the gaps because their brains don't see that as an advantage. It doesn't right because that's how your brain works. And that so people sometimes talk about the lizard brain having being playing a factor, and it kind of does in a way of trying to protect itself and then looking for advantages. If it can't see the advantage, it's not going to make a move. That's why something that seems obvious for somebody to do may not be the obvious thing that's done. That's why it's not being done. So we look at it and go like, oh, yeah, because the, the brain doesn't sit and go like, oh, opportunity, opportunity for all of us means opportunity for me. See what I'm saying? And once you can set up a brain to where it's strong enough to go like, oh, when an opportunity, I see an opportunity that may be in somebody else's realm, that means opportunity for all of us. That means opportunity for me. Then you start to see some really cool dynamics happen and shift at work. And I think then you can have table tennis and ping pong or, and then foosball at the office and people come to work and seem to have fun and don't want to go home. That's what it becomes about because it becomes about they understand that they can their work powers the, their life and vice versa. Not that we're trying to get people to work all the time, but the fact that it's almost like this is just what I do. I'm per- my purpose is in making opportunities for that help me also help other people too. Last thing I was going to ask is how do people get a hold of you when, when uh, they start looking at, hey, I'm really interested in this subject. I want to see how I can help my organization get to the next level. How do I develop my people? Great question. Thanks for asking. First off, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's I'm Douglas Mapp with two P's, M-A-P-P, and I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. And you can check out our website, thinkuptn.com. For those who want to think about their business and their organizations, thinkuptn.com. And secondly, if you have a kid that you think maybe that may need cognitive or learning issues that you may see there, learningrx.com forward slash Knoxville. That's another company that I work with. And 
that's where you can find me in those social areas. I'm also on Twitter. I don't really tweet too much. I'm on a pro- another podcast, which I have a lot of fun with a couple of partners of mine. And it was called The Brain Profits. And one day we may talk about how it is starting up a, a podcast and trying to capture the you know, attention of people. We always work to adjust that. That's where you can find me at the Brain Profits. You can find on all major platforms. And then um, you can find me on social, the, the general social media, which is LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook. I'm not on there as much as maybe some would hope. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to recommend that people definitely, they need to get to your podcast because you're bringing some really interesting people to the podcast and having some great conversations and digging deep. So that's amazing stuff. And then absolutely go to thinkuptn.com and learningrx.com forward slash Knoxville. And then you'll, they'll find you every place else. Uh, Doug, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate this. And uh, yeah. yeah, so thank you. Thank you for having me on.